Thank you to the servers, the ushers that have taken up the bags. I think it's so beautiful this morning that the team led us and we found ourselves in a space where we were in a contemplative space. Just reflecting, thinking about Jesus. Having our, our minds and our hearts filled with the personhood of Jesus. And I trust that as we continue on this morning and even for the rest of this day with all its events and its festivities and, and everything and that you would sense the Lord Jesus near to you. I'm also very mindful of people today that for whom there's a bittersweet element to today. Perhaps you've lost a loved one and this may be the first Christmas that you're without them. Or there's just people that you miss that it's across the world or for various events, there's, there's something about this day which sometimes can be a bit painful for people also. And I pray that for you particularly, the comfort of the Holy Spirit will be very near and that you will sense His presence. And if, if you don't have particular plans for today and you're not with family and friends, perhaps you're on your own, that even in that you will find something beautiful and something of God's love and His care for you as we celebrate this most wonderful, wonderful event that took place. Can I just pray for us? Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name for your presence with us right now. Won't you just be aware of God's presence? Just turn your heart and open your heart to him. Thank you, Lord, that you are here. That you are Emmanuel. God with me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That if my heart is filled with joy for today and thankfulness, that I can be thankful in you. For whatever sorrow and sadness I may feel today, that your presence is with me. If I'm going to be surrounded with loved ones, thank you, Lord, that that'll be a display of your presence. If I'm on my own, that I'm in your presence. Thank you, Jesus, that you are our deliverer, you are our healer, that you are our hope. I just sense just a presence of the Lord here and a, a sense of God's healing for people. So I just want to pray for a couple of elements of healing, if you'll just give me a moment. I firstly just, I sense people that have, who heart, whose hearts are broken today. There's just a deep pain in your heart for, perhaps because of relational breakdown, or just disappointments, hopes that have been dashed, just the way things have turned out, but for whatever reason, your heart is just broken today. Father, I want to come and just present these hearts to you in Jesus' name. Thank you that you mend the brokenhearted. Just bring your heart to the Lord and say, Lord, mend my broken heart. And experience his, his grace for you. And then there's those that, are, that need healing in their mental health. It may be that anxiety, fear, depression. Bitterness, anger, frustration, hopelessness has become to 
a heavy weight and burden on minds that have become tired and weary. Come Holy Spirit. I pray that every mind will find its rest in you in this moment right now in Jesus' name. If your mind, if you're struggling in your mind, won't you just give it to the Lord right now and say, Lord, you are my resting place. I put my mind in your, in your hands. And then, Lord, I want to pray for bodies that are in pain or bodies that are suffering because of some illness or disease or some break, some accident, some fall. Whatever it may have been, Lord, we pray today in Jesus' name for your healing touch upon bodies here in this room. And those that are watching us online, may they experience a touch of your healing. If it's possible and there's a particular part of your body that needs healing, just put your hands on that part or just be mindful of that part of your body. And Lord, I pray and I say, be healed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus, that you declared that healing is the children's bread. That healing belongs to your family. That it is by the stripes of Jesus that we are healed. And therefore today we can speak healing in Jesus' name. Every arthritic joint I speak healing in Jesus' name. And speak Lord that the pain will go in the name of Jesus. Every fracture Lord that is busy healing or hasn't healed. We speak healing in the name of Jesus. Every torn ligament or muscle that has, that has become damaged. We speak healing Lord in the name of Jesus. Every heart, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, let every artery, every vein, every, every chamber of the heart, every valve, Lord, we speak healing in Jesus' name. I speak to lungs, Lord, and I say be healed in Jesus' name. Every part of the pulmonary system in people's bodies, Lord, be healed in Jesus' name. Gastric systems, Lord, let them be healed today in Jesus' name. Bones, Lord, let them be healed. Lord, we take authority over the sickness that, that has come in and cancer. We speak healing to people that are struggling and fighting and battling cancer right now in Jesus' name. I'm just particularly aware of people online right now and I feel around cancer, I speak healing to you. Perhaps you at home, because you can't come to church because of a physical condition, I speak healing to you today in Jesus' name. And we thank you for that, Lord, that you came so that we can be set free. And we rejoice in your freedom. Just begin to say, thank you, Jesus, for the freedom that I have in you. Thank you that I am free. Free in you. Lord, addictions, thank you that we are free in you, Lord. That you are our freedom. And we bless you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. And we seal that prayer together with saying, Amen. Amen and amen. Amen. It's so beautiful that as we celebrate Christmas, it's, it's as much as what has happened as about it is about what is happening now and what will happen in the future. This is a total event. 
This is not just something that we're thinking back of. This is something we remember, something we live in, and something that we will go into in the future. And that's the joy of Christmas, because Christmas is all about Jesus. And so the title of my message this morning is going to be The Christ of Christmas. And I know many people have different views and different experiences and opinions about Christmas. I know there's even people that feel we shouldn't be celebrating Christmas because they're concerned about how culture has twisted Christmas and perhaps it's become too commercialized. And, or some are also concerned about perhaps there's pagan imagery and pagan traditions that has woven itself into Christmas and that perhaps if I celebrate Christmas, I'm actually inadvertently you know, doing something I shouldn't be doing. And, and I know these are all these realities and, and every person has to figure that out for themselves. But I can just tell you, for me, and in our home, and probably because in, in this church, and in our churches, we celebrate Christmas. And I think it's important that we celebrate Christmas. Yes, I, I want to be careful about certain things, and I want to be mindful. I want to have my heart in the right place, so that Christmas is not just about gifts and shopping and, and food. Can it be about anything other than food? I, one of the questions I love asking people is, what are you going to eat today? Can I, can I just look a bit of a snap poll here today? Who for, for, for today, Christmas lunch, is cold food? There are those crazy, look at those people. Come on, raise your hand. You've got to be proud. This is a choice you made. I'm so glad to see it's not that many people. Now, if that's what you'd like and that's what you enjoy, bless you. But I said to Natasha, when we, we got married, she made like, I think the first Christmas, it was this, I, I arrived from church and there was this cold food. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> In our house, we don't do cold food. It's about the hot stuff, man. It's about, I, I'm responsible for the gammon normally. And, but this year, I, I must confess, I was a bit lazy. I bought a pre-cooked, pre-everything, glazed, everything gammon. So I'll just... Warm it up when we get home. But I don't know what your favorite food is for Christmas. What speaks to you that it is Christmas? What do you want on your plate that reminds you that it's Christmas? One of my Christmas meals that I probably only eat at Christmas is peas with mint. I love it. Luke, does that sound horrible to you? Hey, Luanda? Come on, you must try it. Have you tried it? Mint jelly with a bit of peas? Come on. Oh, nice. I love it. And of course, trifle, layered trifle, amen. Am I starting to get you excited? What are, what are your traditions? What are your Christmas meals all about? But I know culturally we're so diverse. There's so many different elements to, to Christmas and things that we do and that reminds us that it's, that it's Christmas and it's, I think it's a good thing. I think it's good to celebrate Christmas. Now, if you believe you shouldn't have a tree for Christmas, then don't have a tree. But you know, one of the things that I'm thankful for during Christmas time is that it's the one time of the year that no matter where you go, you hear the name of Jesus. The rest of the year, you can go to places and you will not hear or see the name of Jesus anywhere. Like I remember being in London years ago over a Christmas time. And you know, if you, you can be in London, I've been there lots and been there for a protected period of time. And you'll not see or hear the name of Jesus anywhere until it's Christmas. Then they play the music in the malls. And I know the malls are doing it. They don't understand. They're not doing it to glorify Jesus. But at least you're hearing the name of Jesus. At least 
the name of Jesus is being spoken and put on billboards and everything. And I think rather than lose that space, I would want to, as a Christian, make sure that we redeem that space. Make it something beautiful by the way we put Christ in Christmas. So yes, there are over-commercialization. There's lots of things that go wrong during Christmas. But I want to make it something special. And I want to make use of the opportunity to put Christ in Christmas. In Luke 2, verse 13 to 14, we read about that amazing night when the shepherds were out in the field, for instance, and they had this amazing experience where the veil of heaven was withdrawn, in a sense. And they could see the myriads of the angel choir singing. And they heard them. And like Razan said this morning, they could join singing with the angels. Holy, holy is the Lord. What an amazing experience. What a wonderful event. I don't think any of those shepherds that night when for the next night, again, like they do every night, went and collected the sheep from the field, put them in the pen at night, and they were there in the field, probably just sitting you know, around the fire. They weren't drinking coffee, I don't think. I don't know what they were doing. But they were sitting there, just minding their business, doing their thing, tired from a day's work. And suddenly, the choirs of the angels began to sing and declared the praises of God. And we read in Luke 2 verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praying, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward all men. And that moment announced that the world is busy changing. Right now, everything is about to change because God is stepping onto the scene for all mankind to see and get to know him and experience him. This God who made us for relationship with him, that made us for his pleasure, for his love, for his joy, who was disappointed when we turned away from him, rebelled against him, said we want nothing to do with him, that we are better off without him. This God said, I'm never gonna leave you. I'm never gonna forsake you. And this God in that moment said, I want you to know that despite your failure, despite your sin, despite your rebellion, I want to show you goodwill. I want to show you that I still have good for you that I intend. And the angels declared, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward men. And I, I want to remind us, I think there's two things from this scripture that we must always keep alive in Christmas. That no matter what the culture does with Christmas, no matter what pagan traditions, no matter what other people may do with Christmas, I wanted to keep these two things central in Christmas. Not only at Christmas, but particularly at Christmas. I wanted to keep these two things that we see in this scripture my focus on them. The first thing is to declare God's glory. And the second thing is to show goodwill towards all men. Isn't it wonderful that God's glory is revealed by the fact that he shows good, not only to those that deserve it, not only to those that ask for it, not only to those that know they need it, but to all men. Every person on this planet, God says, I am disposed towards your good. I want you to know I want good for you. 
Despite your failure, despite your personal sin, despite anything that you may have done in your life, I want you to know that I want to do good for you. I want you to know good. That's who God is. I want you to experience the good I've created you for. And to do that, for you to experience the good, to know the good that I have for you, you have to get to know me. And therefore you need to see me. My glory needs to be revealed. Goodness and glory is always very closely related to one another. We see that in Exodus 33. Remember when Moses said, Lord, we won't go from this place unless your presence goes with us. And he said to the Lord, show me your presence. And the Lord said to him, I will let my goodness pass before you. God's glory is his goodness. And God wants today in 2022, over this period of time, Again, to show his goodness to the world. To reveal to the world that he has good for all. More good than we could ever imagine. We may think we know what good is. We may think the good that we need and want in life. But God wants to say to us, I know the good that you need. I know the good that you can have. Allow me to do good for you. You may be feeling that this has been a tough year. You may be feeling that this time has, has asked too much of you. I want you to say, I want you to know the Lord is saying to you, I want to you to know good. I want my good to define your life. Christ's birth is the declaration of God's desire for us to know good. For God, for you to know good. And therefore, when we come to Christmas... As Christians, as believers that have received the good of the Lord, that have become aware of the good of God, that knows that God's goodwill has been turned towards me, that even though I don't deserve it, that have given my life to Jesus, I want to reflect that good. It is an opportunity for us, as it is every day, but particularly around Christmas, to show good, to remind people around us of this fact of the goodness of God. And we read throughout history of many stories of saints that have gone before us that have been moved by God to doing good and because they have known the goodness of God. And one of these people that I want to just talk a little bit about this morning is actually the person that influenced the world to the point that we celebrate Christmas every year. The way we do it is because of this person. And that is no other than St. Nicholas. Now, let me quickly say this about St. Nicholas. We have very little actual factual recording about his life. Most of what we know about St. Nicholas is legend. So we don't quite know what is true and what is not true. But what we do know is that a person lived around about 270 to 340 after Christ. And that this person's life was influenced by Jesus. And because of that, they began to live a life that inspired many stories about the good of a person. Now I know if you grew up in a Catholic tradition, for instance, you would be more familiar with St. Nicholas, and perhaps you've had too much of St. Nicholas. For some of us, we don't know St. Nicholas at all. It's not of our tradition. Now what I want to do this morning quickly is tell you a little bit about his life with the full knowledge of that some of what I'm going to tell you may never have happened, it may not be true, but it's not the point. The point is this, a life was inspired, 
A life was affected. A life was changed because they encountered Jesus. Now, the story of St. Nicholas is that there were two parents that couldn't have children. And so they went and prayed earnestly for a period of time and they asked God to give them a child. And the result of their prayers is that over a period of time, after a period of time of prayer, they became expectant and had this little baby boy and they called him Nicholas. And Nicholas grew up and from an early age it is said that he had a desire for, to know God. He sought the Lord. As he matured, he was known as a young person to pray much and to fast regularly. And he was also known for his good works that he was doing even as a young person. But then tragedy befell his life as his parents died when he was quite young still. He lost both of his parents. He did, however, inherit quite a bit. And uh, so what he did from the word go with his inheritance, lots of property and, and things that he got, is he started giving some of that away. And he helped poor people particularly. And he continued to grow in the Lord and seek the Lord. When he became of age, he undertook a trip to Palestine and Jerusalem to go and walk the same streets that Jesus walked. Roughly 200, 240 years after Jesus, he went and walked where Jesus walked to get to know more about who this God is and to experience Jesus. He came back home after that trip and really devoted himself even more to the service of God and to his community. Then another tragedy befell him as Diocletian was the emperor of Rome at the time and declared that Christianity should be wiped out in the Roman Empire and he started a mass scale persecution of the Christians. And so young Nicholas was taken into prison. And for seven years he was imprisoned for his faith. But he survived that and when he came out of prison continued to seek the Lord. To the point, and, and also to do, do good in his community, to the point that at the age of 30, he was made a bishop, the youngest bishop of the time. Because he just so reflected who God was. That his community honored him in that way and the church honored him and he became the bishop of Myra. His life was given to his community because of what God had done in his heart. And so this is where the legends are built, the stories, which again, I want to say, we don't know how factual they are. But stories have sort of grown throughout history and was recorded throughout history and told about the life of this young man. The first story that we told, and it's actually the story that formed so much of what we practice today in Christmas is the story of in his town he became aware of a family that was in trouble. There was a father that had three daughters. They didn't have a mother. And they were, they were poor. And the habit of the day, the custom was that, a, that a, a young lady had to collect a dowry so that if she had any hope of getting married, she would have to give a dowry to her future husband's family. So, you know, not quite the way we do it, the other way around. But this family being poor, the father couldn't collect a dowry and, and in fact he was actually in financial trouble. And this meant that his daughters were, didn't have a future. And he was actually considering at the time to sell them into slavery to cover his debts. Which basically meant that they would become prostitutes. Nicholas heard of this. 
And so what he did was, over a couple of evenings, nights, he would sneak in the night to their house and through an open window or an opening in their house, he would throw, history says, either little bags with gold in it or some stories say gold balls that he would throw through the window into their house. And he did this for a couple of nights to the point where they could pay their debt and the daughters were saved from having to be sold into slavery. There's a painting that was done in the 15th century to commemorate this event. So there you can see a rendition of St. Nicholas at the window standing on a rock, throwing the money in. Now one of the stories is that, of the legends that developed around this event, is that he threw the money through the chimney. And that at the bottom of the chimney, the family were drying their socks by the fire. And so when the, when the money fell, it fell into the sock. And that's why we have Christmas stockings. Now, we don't know if that's true. It's probably not true. But the reason we do gift giving over Christmas across the world is probably taken back to this story because of this man's life. Not only was he a person that did good in this way, quietly, secretly in his community. These stories were only told later and that's why they were recorded because he never told people. He was quietly just going around finding ways to help people. One of the other stories that was told later of him is that not only was he a doer of good but he eventually became a defender of justice. He realized that his secret gift giving wasn't good enough. He had to do more. And so a story is told of in their town, three men were caught for some crime. And they were taken to court and they were going to be judged for their crime. But Nicholas got to find out that the, that the whole proceeding was corrupt. The judge had been bought, the lawyers were bought, and that they, that they were going to find these, these men guilty and, and kill them even though they weren't actually guilty. And so surely it happened, the trial ended and the verdict was given and these three men were to be killed, taken into execution and to be killed. And on the day of the execution, the story is told that as the sword was lifted to chop the first man's head off, Nicholas ran into the midst and grabbed the sword from the executioner and exposed the whole thing. He was a defender of justice and there's another painting that actually reflects that event. Now again, I don't know how true this is, but this is the legend that was told. Not only was he a defender of justice, but he was a man of faith, according to the stories that were told. Another painting of the 15th century that was part of an altarpiece, you guys can put it up the next one if you don't mind, tells the story of three young men that were traveling to go and do their theological studies. And in those days, remember, they didn't have banks and they couldn't wire transfer money. So the young men had to take all their money with them that they were going to need for the year of studying where they were going to study. So they traveled along the road and they were obviously a multi-day journey and so at, they found an inn and they booked themselves into the inn and because of the large amount of money they had with them, they approached the innkeeper and they asked the innkeeper to keep their money safe for them during the night. And so the innkeeper took their money and locked it in a lockbox. But as the night wore on, the innkeeper 
found himself restless because he was being tempted by all this money that he was given. And so he devised a plan and uh, eventually he killed them to keep the money. Now we don't know, some stories say that he was in the vicinity, some stories say he was in the same inn. But St. Nicholas was asleep and in a dream he saw this whole thing unfold. And so he got up and found the inn, and if he was at the inn, he obviously found just the innkeeper. If he wasn't, he found the inn and the innkeeper, and he called the innkeeper aside, and he said to him, I know about this event. We're going to pray for these young men now. And so he got the innkeeper to pray with him for the lives of these young men. And as they were praying, the innkeeper got convicted and repented and spilled the beans on everything that happened. And so they together prayed, and God raised these three young men from the dead. And they were given back to life and given their money and off they went. Again, this is legend. And the more the stories were being told, the more they sort of developed. So we don't know what is true. In fact, if he lived in the 200s and 300s after Christ, the first written recordings of some of these events is only a thousand after Christ. But by the way, that's the same would be the truth for Alexander the Great. It was about the same period of time, about a 700 year period of time between his life and when the first things were recorded. We don't know, but that's not the point. The point I'm trying to make here is that, that there was a person that was moved by God, that was moved by God to do good. To live for good, to stand for good, not to be a good person. There's a difference between being moved by God to do good and trying to be a good person. You see, what Nicholas realized is that he was not a good person, but because of the good he experienced from God, he wanted to reflect that good, return that good. And so this, this legend grew. And like I say, we don't know what is true or not. But this we know to be true. That there was a baby boy born in a manger. There was a man called Jesus Christ, historically proven, that lived at a certain time. That performed miracles, that died, that rose. This we know. When you and I celebrate Christmas, we are not celebrating a legend. We are celebrating a life that was given, really given for us. We are not just impressed by somebody who lived, that may have lived. We are not just inspired, our imagination stirred by somebody that may or may not have done good. We are encountering the living so you and I have the privilege to do the two things during Christmas that I said earlier. To declare God's glory and to show goodwill to all. Not because of some legend or some story, but because I've gotten to know my Savior. Because he made it possible for me to know him. He came and lived among us was tempted like us in every way, yet without sin. He died on the cross. 
While he did not deserve any form of punishment, he was pure and perfect without sin. He took upon himself my sin and your sin. And he died not only in my place, but I died with him that day. And I have been risen with him so that I can live for eternity. And that is what I want to reflect. Worship team, you guys can join me. Matthew 5 verse 14 says the following. You are the light of the world. We live in a time where perhaps it feels like there's so much darkness around us. So much struggle. So much pain. So much rebellion. But you and I, we are the light of the world. Not because of some inherent good that we have. Not because I'm a better person than the person next to me. Not because I am some holy person. But purely because I have gotten to know God's good will towards me. It has changed my life. It is remaking me, making me a different person. I have gotten to know the Savior. And because I've gotten to know the Savior, I know that the darkness is not the story of this world. The story of this world is the light. And I can carry that light. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. You see, what God does in his people will be shown. If, God is, if I've gotten to know Jesus, the Savior that came and lived and died for me, it will change my life. It cannot be hidden. I cannot hide the gospel. If it is true in my life, it will show itself. I don't even have to try perhaps, because it will. Because it is so powerful, it is so real, it is so different than the darkness of the world that the light will creep out. You will see it. Now I want to be intentional to let it be seen, but it, it will be seen. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. While you and I that are the children of God are alive, there's light in this world. Because of what Jesus has done. And I want to live my life and reflect his glory. I want to live my life and show the difference that he's made. I may have given my life to Jesus when I was about eight or nine years old. And since that time, I've been seeking the Lord and have followed the Lord Jesus intentionally. I'm one of those people that on the scales of, of sinfulness, my life story is not all that exciting. I used to think that, you know, before I got saved, I stole cookies and lied about it. I broke a glass for my mom in the house and I lied about it. I didn't really get time before I got to know Jesus to really develop a very sinful life. And since I've known Jesus, he kept me from so much. I still made many mistakes and did sin and still struggle with sin, but there's so much that he's done in my life. My testimony is not as colorful as many people, but that's not the issue. I know that without Jesus, I would have deserved no good. I would have deserved failure I would have deserved punishment but because of Jesus I'm a child of God and I'm knowing his good every day it is my testimony that for about 45 years now 
I've gotten to know the good of God and every, every day I'm getting to know more of it. And it humbles me. And I'm surprised around every turn about so much more of his goodness. I want to reflect that. Verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus said to his friends, his disciples here, he said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works. But I'm sure you'll remember with me that there was another occasion where Jesus said, do your good works quietly. Don't let anyone see your good works. Why does he say on the one hand, don't let people see your good works. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Keep it quiet. But here he says, let your good works be seen by all men. I think the key difference between those two that we've got to understand is that I know these are not my good works. These are the good works of the Holy Spirit being done through my life. So I'm not trying to impress people with my goodness. I'm not trying to be a goody two-shoes or a holier-than-thou person. I'm not trying to, to earn my salvation. I'm not trying to prove to people that I'm some special person by doing good. I'm not trying to feel better about myself or trying to redeem some of my mistakes by doing good. That's the kind of thing that Jesus said, don't do that. Because the Pharisees were doing all of good that they were doing. They were advertising because they were trying to gain something for themselves. We don't do that. But you see, if I do good because of the goodness that has been done towards me from the Lord Jesus, it naturally begins to flow out of me. People will see it. People will begin to experience it. The light will creep out. And that's why Jesus said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We have an opportunity in 2022 to let God's name be glorified through the good that we do because of the good that we have received. I want you to stand with me as I pray and end our time together because I know your minds are on, on Christmas lunch. Partly my fault. Perhaps some of you are going to go home and buy peas quickly with some mint jelly along the way. Not Luanda, I can see. I'm going to bring you some next time we're at the office. I'm going to bring you some cold peas and mint but I, I want to just solidify this in our hearts and those of you that are watching online can I remind you today that Christmas for us is not a legend it is not a myth it is not some harmless thing that we do ach it's nice it is not something we do just because we're trying to think of something. That may be why other people do it. For other people, Christmas may be an excuse to eat too much and drink too much. It may be the one time of the year where they get to see some of their family. It, it may be just a nice time. For us, it's not that. Because this is not about a legend of somebody that may have possibly lived and may have possibly done some good things that were retold and retold and eventually became so big that it became these unbelievable stories. No. We know the living God and His miracle working power and His goodness. And therefore, we want to live lives that reflect His goodness. So can I ask you this morning as I pray for us, to open your heart with me and to say, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for really coming and really walking this earth so that I can really know you.
I believe you, Jesus, and I believe in you. Thank you for the good that I have received. As Luke said earlier, we have so many reasons to be thankful. I'm just thankful that I'm saved. I'm just thankful that I'm in right standing with God, that I can call myself His son, His child. Thank you, Jesus. And that that is not just a feeling that I have or a a persuasion in my mind, but that that is real, that is true. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are my Savior. And then, Lord, I want to thank you and I want to pray for all of us that our lives will reflect the goodness that we have received. Who knows the stories that could be told about people in this room 1,500, 2,000 years from now. Perhaps thousands of years from now, somebody will mention your name in a sermon and will say, we don't quite know the historic facts, but this is the stories that were told about them because they were moved by God. They met a real Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. If you're here this morning and you have never given your life to Jesus, I would love for us to give you an opportunity. If you want to this morning, say, Jesus, I need to give you my heart. I need you as my Savior. I also want to know you. I'm going to invite you to, as we end the service, just come to the front and there will be somebody here that will be praying for you. Don't miss this opportunity. If somebody needs to come forward, I'm sure your family, your loved ones will wait with you, for you. But we just want to pray with you. Because I don't want you to miss out on knowing Jesus and the good that he has for you. Lord, I thank you that we could gather as a community. Thank you that we could experience the fellowship of your presence this morning. Thank you that you are with us. And thank you, Lord, that we can go into this day and that whatever lies before us, that we will experience you and be in your joy and in your presence and in your peace. We pray for our nation. In times of upheaval, again, Lord, we trust you and we call upon your name and we say, Lord, let your light shine in the darkness. As we pray that, we know that we probably are part of that answer to that prayer. And so we pray, let your light shine through us. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. May the Lord bless you. May you drive safely. If you going home to be with family or wherever, just have a fantastic day. And please remember, you can eat what you want to. It's a calorie, calorie-free day today. May the Lord bless you. Amen. If you want prayer, please come to the front. And then just a last reminder, remember next Sunday is our 1st of January service. We're going to have all the congregations together. The South Church will be here with us. The church plant in Shia will be with us. The Spanish church has already joined us. They're going to be here with us. We're going to have a great time together as a family. We'll see you next Sunday. Uh, Normal time. The service is as normal time as always. So may the Lord bless you.